sitting in this school pickup line has me feeling hangry. Here, take a hit of this delicious chronic. Jay, not here. I mean, bite. Take a bite. Mmm. This sub is fire. I'm going to have to confiscate this contraband. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut's toasted subs have been curing munchies since 1998. This cannabis-themed sub shop brings all the high fives and good vibes. Combining homegrown food, real people in a relaxed environment. Chiba Hut is the perfect spot for students, faculty, and parents to cop some dank food and drinks. Chiba Hut will be holding back-to-school parties throughout the end of August and September. So check out your local shop. Cut all that. Of course, bro. Yo, 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 I'm Sunny D. And I'm Captain J. And, and we're, we're the Pot Smoking Moms. Welcome to your favorite podcast. If we are your favorite podcast, which we should be. I uh, sure hope so. Yes, please rate, subscribe, share. Just be friends with us. Talk to us. Poke us. I don't know. Do they? It's That's a Facebook thing, I think. An old Facebook thing. Yeah, I think it was a Facebook yeah, thing. Duh. Or was it my? No, it was Facebook. Poke us. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to us. Potsmokingmoms.com. That's our website. We love to hear from you. So please hit us up. Yes. Check us out. Check us out. And we are getting ready for our smoke sesh sponsored by Fluent. Oh, I need this smoke sesh. It's been a long day. Yes. So if you have something to smoke, please use this time to grab your stuff because we're going to get ready to smoke it. Thank you, thank you to our sponsor, Fluent, for making this happen. Uh, I have Tiger Rose is the strain I'm smoking today. It's a completely unique and exclusive cultivar. It's a cross of the most orange, citrus, heavy aroma, and flavor monster. Blood orange and Topanga Skittles. Skittles. <laughs> Extremely colorful, overly Skittles. citrus. In aroma and flavor with heavy trichomes, this sativa-dominant hybrid is something to behold. Terpenes, we got some beta-mercine, alpha-pinene, and my favorite, limonene. Very nice, very nice. Well, I have some Buddha's Hand Hybrid, the hybrid uh, strain. It is a cross between a limoncello and a white runce. The one I have is coming in at 22.475 THC. This sativa dominant Freedom Town holding strain with a South and East Asian lineage is true to its name. Buddha's hand has significantly high fragrant floral and fruity buds, produce tropical flavors with pineapple and lavender undertones. 
The path to nirvana is quick with an almost immediate euphoria that can lead to motivation, like focus, it. and creativity. Motivation, focus, and creativity. We need a lot of that over here. While the primary terpene, myrcene, helps transcend into a light to moderate bodily relaxation. Terpenes are myrcene, pinene, and carophylline. Carophylline. Yes, look at this now. Yes. Let's kind of hard transcend to into light to moderate relaxation. Cheers. Cheers. You guys, hope you're enjoying your smokety smoke. We got a great interview today. Stay tuned. Brooke Morgan Westlake. She's a founder and owner of Women in Cannabis Expo. And she has a company, Legally Blonde and Blunt. She'll be on our show talking a little bit about the expo, why she started it. So please stay tuned for that. Um, This episode, you could see this episode and any interviews on our video by becoming a patron. Yeah, right now we're like doing a video. And unless <laughs> you're a patron... Uh, you cannot see it. We show we share clips with you guys sometimes online, but if you want full length episodes, video versions of the episodes and stuff like that, become a patron. If you can't become a patron, that's fine. Help us out by please giving us a review, rate, review, or share our podcast. Um, just sharing it on your stories or wherever you can. It really helps us get more people to see us um, and hopefully get more listeners that way. Being shadow banned on social media, it's really hard to get uh, exposure to people that aren't already following you. Even people that follow us have trouble <coughs> seeing our content. Yeah, star, star stuff, favorite. That way it's always in your feed. Yes, please. Or made it maybe auto download to make sure it automatically downloads the episode. All those Subscribe, little things you know, yeah. helps us. I hope you guys are surviving back to school. <laughs> oh. Uh, the worst part I think about back to school for me is the days that I have to go into the office and now there's that back to school traffic. Yeah, listen, I do not miss working a standard job at all. Because they're, <coughs> they're in school for only a little bit of time. And then and then if you have to put them into after school care, you got to pay for that. I mean, it's like. It's a scam. <laughs> So how did Sloan's first day of official school go? It's good. It's great. Fantastic. She, we, we didn't get an opportunity to cry. I, I almost cried, but there were so many people that I was just like, oh, my God, there's so many people here. I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> she saw someone at the door start crying, a boy start crying, and she started getting the idea of like, oh. oh yeah, maybe this so is I saw her start kind of start choking up, and I'm like, okay, bye, go into your class. Bye. And then we <coughs> dipped. <coughs> but um, she was fine for the most part. You know, she told me she cried a little bit every day. She kind of like, oh, I cried. And then day before Thursday, she was like, oh, I didn't cry today. And I was like, oh, fantastic. And then Friday, we had a whole thing with the uh, drop off. I kind of came in toward the tail end of drop off. So she had to be on her own. I had to be like, hey, you got to go to your class by yourself. Follow that girl. They were letting you walk them in? Or there wasn't no. people there to, to guide her? There was a teacher left trying to clear the end of the pick mm. of the drop-off line. 
So usually there's a couple teachers there and they'll gather a couple and they'll each go and take them. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, go follow that little girl. She looked like she was confidently walking in the school. I'm like, go follow her. You know where to go to your class. Come on. She what looked at me. Yeah. Like she said she got to her class crying because she was scared. Aww. Which I'm like, you know, I, I go to her. It's okay to be scared. It is a very scary thing. But look, once you start doing it more often and you start, you know, it's you. I'm so proud of you. Like, you should be proud of yourself because this is a big thing that you're doing. You know, yeah. you're getting bigger. And yeah. So we tried and she, I'm like, oh, I kids are like. They don't really say much, right? You try to like, hey, how was today? And they're like, yeah, it was good. And you're like, okay, can you elaborate? <laughs> no, you got to You if you just ask in general, mm -hmm. they don't they don't remember things, yeah, you don't. know, so like they may later on throughout the night as things are happening, it might remind them of something that happened in the day. But if you're like, oh, how was school today? What'd you learn? What'd you do? I don't yeah. remember. I don't know. Right. I don't forgot. So I was kind of zoning in on specific things. I'm like, oh, what about friends? Like, are you talking to somebody? Has anybody said anything funny? And she's like, I thought it was interesting. She was like, I don't need to make new friends. And I'm like, what? And she's just like, I already have plenty, like naming our neighbors and some of our friends. And her idea was like, we don't know their parents. Like, how can I be friends with them? Like, yeah, uh, you don't know their parents. I don't know that. I don't know that kid. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, and she's like, we don't know where they live. Like, we don't know. And I'm like, it's okay, you know, one day that you might if you might go to a birthday party or something and we might get to know them like you're going to be in you're going to be in school with them for a while. And then it was like, oh, this is every fucking day. Yeah. She's like, oh, shit. She's and, like, and it was a little short week because you guys started on Tuesday. So. <coughs> right. And we had to explain to her like, hey, you know, you get the weekends off. It's like work. You got to go every day. Luckily, yeah. I'm home so I could pick her up at two when they when she's done yeah yeah because then i you know having to leave the kids in school for after care like, or whatever yeah. yeah so at least we got that and she seems to be liking it for the most part she likes it she just yes you know she's little she's gonna cry i cry i go to mm -hmm. i would go to work and cry at work like i'm not gonna you know we all do it but it's just like the consistency of doing it every day so that it's muscle memory it's like you don't really have to but still, you know, lamented with her like, yeah, it sucks. You got to be there a lot. But hey, you get the weekends, right? So at least we can look forward to that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, Julian's already like, he was like, oh, we we're really lucky that school started on Wednesday. Not only was it short week, but Wednesday's early release. So we got out at one fifty instead of 3.05. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, it was great. So, uh. We were. I was really worried about him not being able to find the classroom too. And even though this is already his third, technically, technically third year here, he is starting third grade. But kindergarten got interrupted by the pandemic. First grade, he did not go there, and he only went for half the second grade. So when we went to orientation and we saw the classroom and we met the teacher and everything, we walked. We walked um, from the classroom to where drop off was, and I was like, okay, so this is the way you walk from where I drop you off to the classroom and we kind of like routed it. I made sure he knew the room number and all that. And uh, when we took him in on the first day, we sat, we walked him in and he was sitting right next to two of his closest friends from the last year. Oh, lucky. I know, but now they don't sit together. I don't know what happened, but the teacher removed, like re rearranged everybody. So I don't know what happened there that they're no longer sitting together. Uh, but 
yeah, no, so he's he's doing all right. He's like already ready for summer, though. <laughs> I know. I mean, well, you can't blame them. And it sucks because uh, like I was telling you earlier, I hated school. I was not, I did not like school at all, ever. And so it's hard to like, you know, when your kids like not yeah. wanting to go, it's hard to like. I think he just gets you know? bored and he's like, he only likes like PE and the stuff time that they have recess and like free time. I guess he gets kind of bored with schooling and on his uh, paperwork that came home on the first day, there was a letter saying that I had to acknowledge that he was in a gifted advanced class. I didn't even know he was being placed into oh, a gifted advanced awesome. class. And he tested before the pandemic when he was in kindergarten, his, his teacher recommended him for it. He tested for it, but then the pandemic happened and that just fell through. Then during first grade, that teacher also recommended. So we tried again, but it was all like testing through virtual and all that. And he just barely wasn't going to make it like he he scored just under where he would qualify for it. But for some reason, if he had free lunch or like if we were like a low income family, he would have qualified. Like the qualifications are lower if you come from a low income family. And so they told me to register for free lunch. And I'm like. I don't think I'm going to get approved for it, but they're like, try so that he could get into the program. I tried. I didn't get approved for it. So I didn't hear anything of it after that. And right. then he started school this year and they sent that letter. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know he was being placed in this class. Mm-hmm. But it was basically a letter saying, oh, he's in this class. We chose the kids in this class based off this, this and this. And but it doesn't guarantee he'll be in advance again next year. So I guess he yeah. just has to continue doing well if he wants to stay in the advanced class. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I was kind of bummed because we didn't get uh, we didn't get my kid into the dual language program, which I was kind of. She hoping. has Spanish, right? I don't know. I don't think. I'm not sure. I don't think she does. I feel like all Florida schools have Spanish. Oh, well, our school does qualify for the free lunch program, like for everyone, like no question. Oh, well, that's nice. So that's pretty cool. They do breakfast too. I think they do free breakfast for everybody, but I don't think they do free lunch for everybody at our school. And then, um. And then we're sleeping better now because now everybody's got to go to sleep earlier and got to wake up at the butt crack of dawn. On a schedule. So and then I got earplugs. So that's working out a little bit, too, even though I haven't. I'm <laughs> for telling the snoring you, we've husband. been so tired. Yeah. For the snoring husband. We've been so tired. And that's why I'm kind of like really happy that we got a schedule. I love change. So it was like, oh, cool. We get to do something different now. It's not the same shit over and over again. So. Uh, it's interesting, but yeah, we're sleeping better now. Everybody's sleeping through the night for the most part. That's good. Yeah. It'll be even better if you get her home bed. Right. Well, that's the next step is I think we're just going to bite the bullet and get them their separate beds. So. So, yeah. So Sloan is not waking because, up Yes, I know because they like to wake each other mm-hmm. up. I was looking in the camera this morning and the, uh, my older was just, it's cute. It's sweet. I wasn't going to get mad at it because she was kind of like caressing her, trying to like coax her to wake up. Yeah. And, you know, it was cute, but it's like, damn, let her sleep. Yeah, I know. But I was like, <laughs> let her sleep. Like she needs it out of my, the little one needs the most sleep. She needs to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. She's sleeping in the car line for when a pickup, which is so inconvenient because I'm not we're not going to stay out for long. Like, it's just we go back home. She gets bored. But she flips out, screams her head off. I kind of divert the attention for a second and I look back and she's asleep and it's like every day now. So now I got to figure out how to deal with that. 
you'll get into it. This is only the first few days. You guys yep. will get into your routine and then it'll be boring again. And you'll be like, damn, I need and change. And then it'll change again. <laughs> yep. And then boom, change. Then sit VPK. Hey, guys, it's time for us to tell you what's happening. News nugs, where we get high and read, read the, the news, to, news you. to you. <laughs> you guys probably saw this all over the place. These yeah. weed ice cream trucks. We got them here in <laughs> Wynwood, actually. Surprisingly. So, New York City police cracked down on weed trucks in Times Square. Oh, they got to check out Wynwood. <laughs> I know. I have a feeling that's <laughs> this, coming. This gonna start I don't know, unless the, they just look the other way over here. So NYPD officers cleared out weed trucks in the Times Square area on Tuesday. Police descended upon over a dozen weed trucks. There's a dozen of them just chilling there. <laughs> yeah, they're like food trucks. <laughs> they're food trucks and weed trucks. Right. Uh, weed trucks in the Times Square area of New York City Tuesday and the, weighted, and the latest weed truck crackdown in the city. But some locals say there are more serious crimes that should be the focus of the police. Yeah, I would say. It is the backlash in response to what locals are calling an open-air drug market caused by unlicensed weed sellers and trucks. None of the trucks have permits to operate as licensing has not yet become available. However, retail licenses become available within a week on August 25th. The New York Police Department is fed up with the torrent of illegal cannabis trucks easily found on New York City streets. Many locals agree. New York Daily News reports that one of the most prolific truck chains, Weed World, Weed World, which sold mostly edibles, was forced to pay over 200000 in parking fines and about a dozen of the chain's trucks were cleared off the street. Damn. So if you are looking to buy illegal drugs from the Weed World bus located on 5th <laughs> Avenue and 40th Street, it is no longer open for business. He had to put the <laughs> street, streets they were on. Said NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madry tweeted about the seizures. We do not anticipate it opening for business anytime soon. Tom Harris, president of the Times Square Alliance, said that on any given day, there are about a half dozen Weed trucks parked in the direct vicinity of Times Square. The responses on Twitter, however, were far from reaching a consensus. Weed World said on August 15th that it paid $200,000 of the $500,000 in, in owed parking fines and had worked out an installment plan with the city's Department of Finance. Last June, law enforcement towed away 12 Weed World's trucks and declined to release the trucks until the fines were paid. Weed World also operated a brick-and-mortar store nearby, just up 7th Avenue, and plans on getting a permit once they become available after gaining the attention of New York's Cannabis Control Board. Wow, that's a lot of money in fucking fees. Yeah. In the latest sweep, the NYPD posted footage of 19 vehicles seized off city streets for allegedly selling cannabis products without permits. The NYPD and other officials aren't only going after weed trucks. State officials recently slapped 17 storefront cannabis operations and trucks with cease and desist letters <laughs> for allegedly selling cannabis without a license, including Weed World on 7th Avenue. <laughs> so their big and mortar place got hit up too. Yeah. There are no businesses currently licensed to sell adult use cannabis in New York State. Tremaine Wright, a chair of New York's Cannabis Control Board, said in a statement, 
New York officials will begin accepting retail cannabis licenses on August 25th, the Office of Cannabis Management announced. License applications will be accepted for a month after an online portal opens. So they're like, no, they know nobody has the legal means, the licenses. <laughs> but they're, they're like, yeah. it's legal. Let's get started. <laughs> let's, yeah, we're, for we're sure. We're in the application process for the license. It's not a big deal. Yeah, right? yeah. They're like, we're about to get it, bro. Like, chill. We're about to get it. Bigger fish to fry. To be fair, cannabis isn't Times Square's only problem, and weed trucks might be the least of their problems. Last year, police shut down a 24-hour open-air bazaar that sold crack cocaine. Yeah, I would say that's a little more important. To Holy be balls! On. Are you crack kidding cocaine me? is still like a, like a big thing. a fucking farmers market. <laughs> oh, crack cocaine farmers market. Okay, and we can have weed farmers market. Shit. <laughs> That business operated without anyone batting an eye for two years. <laughs> oh, shit. In that stance, a crew worked round-the-clock shifts at 43rd Street and 8th Avenue, according to NYPD and federal authorities. Holy shit. The operation was open 24-7 and launched in December 2019 in perhaps one of the only places in America that you could get away with it with that long. Police called it Operation I Ghostbuster. <laughs> The city is also focusing on safe injection sites with personnel to supervise. New York Times reports that on the first day of operation of one site, crew members were able to reverse two overdoses. Oh, wow. In the meantime, New York City mayor told New Yorkers to light up. That is until licensing begins at the market mature and the market matures. I mean, yeah, there are bigger fish to fry. Focus on those hard Jesus. drugs. Yes, obviously, these people are operating without the permits and licenses but in my which opinion, sucks for the people who do abide by all the laws yeah and they're waiting for the time you know but i don't know you don't think they're like shooting themselves in the foot by getting ahead of themselves that's like now they're gonna i would think that would cause trouble for them to properly get licensed well i mean everybody definitely wants the foot in the door to i mean you definitely want to start getting your name out there and that's what they were fucking doing they're like, weed's legal. Woo, trucks everywhere. They're like, weed world. No, because you're already able to, like, openly consume there anywhere where cigarettes can be consumed. Yeah. Smoke weed. So, like, they're like, we need to capitalize on this shit. People need weed. Yeah. Let's get it to them. <laughs> Speaking of needing weed, our next story is D.C. medical marijuana registration surged in July after self-certification law took effect. Data shows this story is for our buddy so, Lauren. Lauren, she's considering self-certifying herself. What? So you just say, "Hey, uh, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I qualify. need cannabis. I qualify. I need cannabis for my mental health, for my health, and you then just self-certify. You're like, yo, period, stamp of approval myself. All right. <laughs> so Washington D.C. residents have wasted no time taking advantage of a new law that allows people to self-certify as medical marijuana patients that took effect in early July with officials releasing data that shows a significant spike in registrations last month. Now that no longer, now that people no longer need a doctor to sign off to join the program. God, wow. can we get this past here? <laughs> the district's uh, alcoholic beverage regulation administration, the ABRA posted the monthly figures on Thursday, more than 1200 people registered to become cannabis patients in July for a total of 15,000 730. Show the next slide. Oh my gosh. Well, it's not clear how many of those patients self-certified since Mayor Muriel Bowser signed the district council passed bill into law on July 6th last month. Saw the largest jump by far in registrations this year. 
Registrations have been steadily increasing, but most months have only seen a few hundred additional patients. You can see this chart like it just like flies up. From June to July, medical marijuana patient registrations increased from 14,468 to 15,730, roughly 9% growth. Since the beginning of the year, the next largest bump in registrations took place from March to April when the number grew by 403 patients. That was a 3% different from 13,445 to 13,848. Observers expected to grow uh, observers expected to grow in patient registrations with the self-certification option as a proposed policy change received significant attention. What it does is effectively allow DC to circumvent a congressional spending bill writer that's blocked the local government from using tax dollars to implement adult use marijuana sales. That's crazy. That's a big bump. They like, yeah, I think I would self-certify. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Voters approved recreational legalization at the ballot in 2014, but the writer from Rep. Andy Harris has served as a consistent barrier to seeing through the will of voters. Bowser, U.S. Rep. Eleanor Holmes Norton, and other elected officials in the city have routinely criticized Congress for singling out the district and depriving it of the ability to do what a growing number of states have done without federal interference. Lawmakers and advocates have also expressed disappointment over the fact that President Joe Biden has included the writer in his last two budget requests, despite saying he supports D.C. statehood. There's a chance that the spending provisions could be eliminated as part of a fiscal year 2023 appropriations legislation, but the district council decided to take matters into their own hands in the interim with the self-certification bill. Since they're not really doing a proper like legal market, this is why... They're doing the self-certify on the medical thing, so it's easier for people to just do the medical without having the record. Norton told Marijuana Moment in a phone interview last month that she's fairly optimistic that the writer will not be included in the final spending package. She added that the the D.C. self-certification policy is an effective workaround until then. A similar bill that would have also provided the cannabis self-certification process was narrowly defeated in April. But the reason for its rejection was largely related to separate provisions in Chairman Phil Mendelssohn's measure that would have cracked down on unlicensed businesses that are using existing policy to gift cannabis to people who purchase unrelated products and services. Those enforcement provisions were not included in the enacted law, but the issue was addressed in a resolution attached to the measure. It notes that there are lower barriers to access at gray market suppliers because an unregistered person could simply buy a non-cannabis item and exchange gifted marijuana without going through the application certification process to access licensed dispensaries. There are also safety risks in that market. The legislation noted because products aren't subject to quality control standards as in the existing medical cannabis program. The patient self-certification provision of the measure represents a significant expansion of another piece of legislation enacted into law this year that allows people 65 and older to self-certify for medical cannabis without a doctor's recommendation. Yeah, now everybody can. Meanwhile, the mayor signed a bill last month that bans most workplaces from firing or otherwise punishing employees for marijuana use. That's good. The reform is designed to build upon a previous measure lawmakers approved to protect local government employees against workplace discrimination due to their use of medical cannabis. Yeah, that's absolutely necessary. 
Um, there's so many. I don't know. I think laws and things and that's so. Wouldn't it be nice if cannabis was just treated a like a plant? <laughs> like you a can buy a Home like, Depot like, if you want, like to. <laughs> a tomato plant or whatever. You know, like. Like self-certified, medical, yeah. Rec, there's so licenses. many, right? It's so stupid. All the fucking. I understand you want to be safe and all that, and anything that somebody's selling for people to consume should have safety protocols, right? But in the end, like if you want to grow your own tomatoes and eat them, you should be able to. Yeah, you shouldn't have to go through all these things, right? To be able to just have weed. Agreed. <laughs> it's a plant. The fucking plant people. Yeah. And you plus you gotta know how to like cure it and stuff. You can't just smoke it off the tree. <laughs> exactly. So it's like there's a process. Not everybody's gonna be growing their tomatoes. Yeah, we're having farmers markets with crack cocaine. <laughs> Give me farmers a- markets with weed. It would be so, so fucking such- nuts. Awesome. How, what is a what is a two years what is a farmer's farm, market with crack cocaine? What is a farm? What does a crack cocaine farmer's market even look like? I mean, I think it was a farmer's market, and then they had oh, they, somebody there that uh, sold crack a couple, cocaine. A couple guys, a couple vendors, a couple vendors. I don't know. I don't know. Under the guise that you're buying tomatoes. Wow. <laughs> oh, my tomato had a little crack cocaine in it. I really, I really like these. To- I need more but- tomatoes. I need more tomatoes. Everybody's addicted to tomatoes, All right? Uh huh. Because they put crack cocaine in it. Jeez, sounds like something that would happen in Miami. <laughs> All right. Speaking of, speaking of, I love you, Miami. I'm going through old pictures and I'm telling you, I have a picture with the guy who says, I love you, Miami, which is Levon Hernandez, who was a baseball player for the for the Marlins. We got to throw that up on an episode and do, we we will. do a little history on who Levon Hernandez yeah, is. So we could tell everybody who doesn't know who Levon Hernandez is. And yeah, who I don't says, think people know that that's a person like it's a historical, it's a historical moment in Miami. <laughs> yes. The I love you Miami moment. Well, and I have we have a pic, I have a picture with a dude. We will we will talk about him Not in a future, future episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this week's I love you Miami uh, story kind of follows up on the story we had last year. But right. so Florida activists last year, last week, y'all. last last week. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Florida activists. Hold on, I need to click. Florida activists plan marijuana home grow initiative for 2024 to run parallel to industry back legalization bid. So what they're going to run these two uh, petitions to get it on the ballot so they could be like next to each other. They're going to be two yeah. separate things we're going to vote on. Yeah. Like okay. they're trying to get both of them on the ballot. Gotcha. That's what I'm understanding from All this right. headline. Let's read it and find out. Let's see. Florida's biggest medical marijuana company recently launched a push to put marijuana legalization measure on the state's 2024 ballot and at the same time other advocates are exploring plans to have voters decide on what they hope will be a complementary measure complementary okay Mm -hmm. permitting adults to grow their own cannabis at home okay the industry backed legalization campaign filed their measure with the state earlier this month but in what they say is an effort to avoid a legal challenge over single subject ballot rules the initiative is relatively limited in scope lacking provisions to allow home grow or promote social equity for example that has ranked uh rankled that has rankled some observers 
<laughs> what is wrinkled? I know. That's the first time I've seen that word used. That, has, <laughs> that has wrinkled some observers who see the measure as largely self-serving. Yeah, I'm, I would have to agree with that. And that it would at least initially simply allow existing medical cannabis companies to start selling to the adult use market. Right. To fill that gap, Mariah Barnhart, an activist with the Women's Initiative for a Safe and Equitable Florida, tells Marijuana Moment that she's in the process of forming a separate political action committee to get a home cultivation initiative on the ballot as well. With an adult use initiative launching with 5 million backing, it only makes sense to file home grow parallel to it, Barnhart said, referring to the Smart and Safe Florida campaign that's received seed funding from the major cannabis company TrueLeave. I've been asking for six years if I had any support in that endeavor, she said. I have always felt in the state of Florida that that was our best bet for a myriad of reasons. One of the top reasons to split the reforms into two measures is the fact that the Florida Supreme Court has represented a barrier to citizen-led reform efforts in the state. And so they want to avoid pursuing any one initiative that could be jeopardized by a legal challenge over language or single subject rules. Based on the current political climate of our state of our state and the rules and guidelines that were under that were under, <laughs> I have always felt that it would be best to file two separate amendments side by side and run them parallel. Well, where the resources can be strategically tapped, Barnhart said, whether they're actually related or not is really neither here nor there. I mean, she's not wrong. That would be since the Supreme Court saying that each amendment has to tackle only one subject. Mm -hmm. Making it two different things and trying to push them both onto the ballot together would make sense. In this case, the homegirl PAC hasn't been formed yet, and there are no major funding commitments at this point that Barnhart could reveal. But she says she's actively consulting with attorneys about possible language for the measure. In a perfect world, she said, the proposal would allow adults to grow a certain number of plants for personal use with an option to grow more than the base limit with a doctor's recommendation. Making the ballot in Florida is an especially resource-intensive endeavor. Case in point, the legalization campaign is starting off with several million dollars in funding from TrueLeave. That's just to get it off the ground. Successfully placing a measure on the ballot on the 2024 ballot will require the collection of 891,589 valid signatures from registered voters, which we heard from Michael Minardi, the lawyer that was on our show, that... I That's like how no hard it is, feat. right? Because each signature has to be perfect. All the information has to be put in there. And all the form needs to be complete. It has and to valid. be complete. And then they have to pay for each one to get certified. And, and they have sent. to pay the people collecting it. And there's like a whole lot a of whole stuff. A whole lot of things involved. Even more resources would be needed to mount a successful campaign to advocate for its passage in the state's multiple media markets. Truly, spokesperson Steve Van Cor told Marijuana Moment in a phone interview last week that the company is giving a big thumbs up to Barnhart's initiative in theory, and they've liked the idea of letting voters decide on a home grow option. However, it's Truly's understanding that attorneys are struggling to nail down the language. So he said it would be premature to comment on the extent to which the business might be willing to financially support any campaign that comes about. Yes, we will support it. When and to what extent still remains unknown because she's still drafting it. You can't commit to something sight unseen, Vancor mm -hmm. said. It's true. But we like the idea and we want to support something like that as well. 
Barnhart, for her part, said she's very hopeful that that cannabis industry stakeholders are going to come to the table to support the homegrown uh, initiative, suggesting that the industry-backed paid petitioning effort could, li- could let the personal cultivation campaign tap into its resources by having workers collect signatures for both measures at the same time. They have the opportunity to prove their dedication to homegrown, which they have been publicly supportive uh, before in the past, she said. It co- it costs them absolutely nothing if they're placing their initiative for signatures to place ours side by side with it. Combined efforts, okay. While Florida voters approved a medical cannabis constitutional amendment in 2016, subsequent attempts to place broader legalization on the ballot have been rejected by the Supreme Court, which we've reported on many times, which has ruled that the language of proposed measures by Make It Legal Florida and Sensible Florida were misleading in validating them. The legalization measure that has been filed for 2024 by Smart and Safe Florida isn't just limited by the lack of home grow or equity provisions favored by many advocates. It's also deferential to the legislature on key issues like expanding licensing beyond the existing dispensaries in the state's medical cannabis program. There are currently about 450 medical marijuana shops owned by about two dozen operators, more than 100 of which are owned by Trulieve. Excuse me. Without legislative action, on additional licensing, that consolidation could persist, which could raise equity concerns. Many advocates have pushed for reform legislation that gives specific licensing priority to people from communities that have been most impacted by the drug war. As they should. should any cannabis reform measure make the 2024 ballot, at least 60% of Florida voters would have to approve it for it to be enacted. With respect to timing for the Home Girl campaign, Barnhart said that she's prepared to file the PAC paperwork to form what's expected to be called Wise and Free at any point, which she first spoke about with Miami New Times, and that ballot language could come some come soon well as well. We're confident in saying that in the next few weeks, we will have something to file, she told Marijuana Moment. Recent polling shows that a majority of Florida voters, 59%, support legalizing cannabis for adult use. So that's a slim margin that shows that advocates will have their work cut out for them if the measure qualifies. A separate poll released in February found that three-fourths of Florida voters support legalizing marijuana possession for adult use, including strong bipartisan majorities. The survey didn't ask about where voters stood on creating a regulated system of cannabis sales, but 76% said they either strongly or somewhat support allowing adults to legally possess Small amounts of marijuana for recreational use. Looking ahead to 2024 rather than this year may leave advocates better positioned to earn the needed supermajority level of support as demographic groups more likely to favor legalization tend to turn out in higher rates during presidential rather than midterm election years. Yeah, that makes sense. 2024 ballot would make would have the best chance at passing and it gives more time for them to get it on the ballot. Um, yeah, this is not even a thing yet. It's not even a written uh, initiative. It's just like, hey, talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Like, hey, we should do this. I, ha- I have some some do, strong are there, feelings about that. Like, they're saying, truly was saying that their, their attorneys are skeptical on proper language for it. I don't know. Right. I, I, first of all, I'm, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see it when it actually becomes yeah something but yeah. there should be there must be more social equity 
Like, I don't understand why it's not in the original legalization. And I don't understand why everybody is pushing for all kinds of stuff. And they're so worried on the language and all this stuff. But none of that language for that is being uh, included. Like the initial legalization effort, the one that right now, the whatever. Smart and safe. That they just put five million into. How come that doesn't have any social programs in it? Why? And then what I don't understand is why is there a limit on the number of licenses in the first place? Like, why isn't it just like we have licenses and as long as you meet all these criteria, right. And you, you follow the rules, right. And you go Why is it like, the... Oh, we only have this many. Right. And who says it? Who's the guy who's like, exactly. Who is the guy? Who's the they, God? Who's like there's this sh- many only. Exactly. It's all, all from the top. Everybody in the top is just, fuck so like why why limit it you know they're just trying to make it harder for people right and that and that's just it that's just it there there should be uh, no limit to the licenses no limit to the licenses as long as you meet all these criteria you get it and on top of that have special you know for social equity you know make it a little easier for them to qualify or they could qualify automatically if this this and that you know, just look at other states that have good social equity programs. New York is doing a good job. Right. And copy whatever. What's the language they used on their ballot? Copy that shit. I don't understand why people can ask backwards. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I if you're going to go through the trouble of getting a, a, a measure out Maybe. and have people sign up and do all that bullshit, like you got to add some of that shit in there. Yeah. I just don't understand. Like they want to do. I don't know. Parallel. Get another third one in there. Because we should start a third fucking initiative where we're like, let's just let everybody out of jail. Let's just start the there. third initiative is to fuck the stupid license limit. Oh my god! And add social equity. <laughs> yeah. Why is everybody? I don't understand. Third initiative is. Uh, I forgot to turn off. Oh, we're gonna be parallel to parallel, parallel with this third initiative right. where we're going to just the language is gonna say stop. Let's free everybody who's in there for this shit and let's stop locking people up for this shit. Yes. Period. Then do whatever the fuck you want. But we should start there probably. We should probably start there yes. because then what happens? We keep putting that off. We keep doing all this other shit. And they're Recreational. just making their money. People just making their money. People are still sitting in jail. Right. So, so for so, just so, trying to make money to make so their lives. Stupid. Florida's just ass backwards. Yes. <laughs> All right, enough of that. <laughs> enough of that. We're, pro- we're going to continue to, we will continue to follow up on that. Because at this point, it's just hearsay. It's just, I have this plan, guys. You know how I feel about people And it's not a bad idea. Like they just, you need to get the lawyers to write right. the proper initiative to get the language right, then try to get it. Oh, then collecting signatures and, and collecting that's a lot. Signatures. So I think like her idea is to come up with the initiative, have it written and then piggyback it with what truly is doing with the smart. We, we will stay tuned to that. And it costs a lot of money. Apparently it costs lots and lots and lots of money to even get medical past here. So it's going to be just as much or more for rec. Yeah. All right. We got a fun interview today with Brooke Morgan Westlake. She is a founder and owner of Women in Cannabis Expo and Legal Blonde and Blunt. After 20 years in healthcare in both 
public and private sector, Brooke's professional career shifted into the cannabis industry where she created and launched her own companies. While in the process of getting a cannabis testing lab open, Brooke realized a need for a national expo and meeting facility for women in the cannabis industry. Putting movement into action, the Women in Cannabis Expo was developed and launched in January of 2020 with the mission of connecting, inspiring, and helping women learn in the cannabis industry. Here is our interview. We hope you enjoy it. We finally, <laughs> finally are here. <laughs> Third time is a charm. Finally sitting down with Brooke Westlake. Um, so I, I found you because of I saw the Women in Cannabis Expo and I was like, mm, that is interesting. What is that? So I would love for you to tell us all about what is the Women in Cannabis Expo that you have. And this year you're doing a little different where you have multiple expos happening in different states. So the Women in Cannabis Expo, I started it in 2020. And we know that that year was a lovely year for most of us with COVID. <laughs> um, so we were set to have our first show in 2020 and Women in Cannabis Expo is featuring that of all women in the cannabis industry. So women who want to know about cannabis, women who want to go into this industry, women who are already in this industry, women who were, you know, original OGs and now they've got corporate companies now. And it was started because I couldn't find any events like this, any trade shows that were geared towards women. And with my background of 20 years of healthcare, I was very used to trade shows for 10 years. And when I went to a large conglomerate one, looking at um, how to get my vendors for my lab, they had a woman's night, which I thought was pretty cool. But then it got the wheel spinning. And I was like, I will spend money to go to expos for women. And I couldn't find anything. So our first show that was supposed to be in 2020 got positioned to 2021. And we did a three-day event and it was very well received and people loved it. And so then we decided this year to take the show on the road, hosting four which we've already had two. Atlantic City was in May. Uh, Denver was in June. And then in September, we will have Las Vegas and San Francisco will be in October. Ooh, that's, that's exciting. So where was the first? It was it in Reno, your first one? Yeah, I felt like having it close to home. You know, my first time having it, my first expo, probably just keep the reins in a little tighter. Um, and it was, you know, like I said, it was well-received, but then people kept saying, go to Vegas and go to Denver. And I was like, you know, maybe I should make this like moving around the country because there's other states that are still adopting cannabis into recreational or medical law. Uh, so that's why we picked Atlantic City, New Jersey, because they had just approved recreational cannabis. And it's been fabulous to move the show around so that it gives other people and other women opportunities in different parts of the country if they don't if they can't travel across the country well don't worry we're coming to you kind of thing so it's worked out real well that's great and what, what how many so at the expo how many vendors speakers and how, like how many people usually come out to these this kind of event so with our reno one we did a three-day event and we had roughly 350 people 50 vendors and we had 20 speakers with this year, how we position the expos, they're one-day trade shows. Um, so we're averaging between 25 to 50 vendors. In Atlantic City, New Jersey, we had 10 speakers. So we had they each had their own 30-minute block. But in Denver, we doubled up on the speakers, and we had 20 speakers. And as far as attendee rate, we've been between 100 to 200 people per show for That's the funny. whole day. Yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. 
And what kind of speakers uh, do you have? Everything. So from women who have created their own CBD line, women who are attorneys, women who have created hair care, skin products, or they're starting with their own cannabis brand, or they're a dispensary owner, every kind of job that you can think of in the regular industry transitions over into cannabis. And so we have tried to incorporate every kind of amazing dynamic woman in this arena into having them at our expos to showcase what they're doing. Where did they start? How did they start? What's their story? And so any accountants, like I said, attorneys, healthcare, nurse practitioners, doctors, uh, authors, health and fitness instructors, spiritual guiders and leaders, growers, everybody that you can think of we've had and we'll continue to have at our shows. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. And how did you how did you get into all this? Yeah, how do you, you know go what? from healthcare to cannabis expos? <laughs> yeah, it's quite uh op, you know, if you would I mean, it is healthcare, right. but it's just it, a whole It is health, you know, I heard that can't you spell healthcare with without THC. Without THC. <laughs> and it's true. And actually, if you would have asked me five or 10 years ago, if I would have been in the cannabis industry, I would have laughed you out of the room. I'd have been like, what? You're cr- like, what are you talking about? Like, that's crazy. But it was actually, I, the last company I worked for, I was with them for 10 years and we closed in March of 2018. I decided to go and do my master's in criminal justice. And it was a two-year program. I got it done in a year and a half. I was looking at purchasing a fingerprint drug testing franchise to mirror up with my healthcare background and my criminal justice. And I called a very important mentor of mine and I was talking to him about this. And he said, you should open a cannabis testing lab. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, but I don't know anything about cannabis. And he's like, do the research and call me back. And I'm like, wait a monkey wrench, my whole game plan of going and having a franchise or something else. And so it was really my mentor who said I needed to do the research. And he thought that me combining my medical background for a lab would be amazing. Uh, when I launched the expo, I launched the expo with the lab, but I still don't have the lab because of what's happening in our state with licensing. And it's actually worked out the way it's meant to be because the expo has taken off in such a direction of being a traveling expo that, you know, I don't know if, if, and when the licensing opens, I'm, I don't know if I will get a lab now because I've been so busy with the expo and then I've launched my e-commerce brand. So you know, having a mentor put the little bud in my ear. Um, that same year when I actually had launched both, I almost died. I actually had a bowel volvulus obstruction and I was taken by ambulance and I had emergency surgery. I was in the hospital for seven days. Oh, wow. Um, super sick by the end. So it was like, it happened a month before I was supposed to have my first show. And it was like, and then COVID and everyone's like, you can't have a show because of COVID. So it worked out. By the end of that year, I was very sick. I went into a dispensary and did not tell them I worked in the industry and said, here's the deal. I tried it 20 years ago. I had a panic attack. I dropped a lot of weight. I can't keep food down. Like I'm now I'm at the position of looking for alternative medicine. Can you guys help guide me and like what I should try? And it's really cannabis has come full circle because I'm an advent vapor. I like flour it's helping keeping me alive because nutrition is something I've now been struggling with significantly. And so it's funny because it was placed in my life as a business 
And now it's actually in my life incorporated full circle, helping me achieve nutrition when I meet with my endocrinologist. So it's been pretty awesome. So does that, so your relationship with cannabis as a consumer didn't start until you joined the industry. You weren't, you never used cannabis before, whether it was recreationally or just trying it as a teenager or what, where, where'd your relationship with cannabis really start? (laughs) I did try it at 18 and I had a massive panic attack. Oh, and I THC. yes, too much. Like I was like, you know, I took too many hits and I was freaking out and I was telling my girlfriend, she was going to have to drive my car. And she was like, I don't have legs. Like she had, she, <laughs> she's a bilateral amputee. I'm not, no kidding. And I'm like, you're going to have to drive the car. And she's like, I don't have legs to drive your car. And it was like this whole thing. And I was like, it made me feel so bad. The story's hilarious, right? Like it's like a Cheech and Chong, but with like me and my amputee friend. Um, and I was like, never again, I am not touching that stuff ever again. Because, you know, back then too, so much different from today, you either got really bad pot or really good pot. And where today I could go in and talk to somebody and say, these are my health elements and this is what's going on. Do you think there's something that will help me? So my relationship did not start out well with cannabis. And that's probably why, you know, my relationship, when my mentor said to me, I should look at it as a business. I was like, what are you talking about? Like I had a bad experience with it. Um, you know, it was illegal forever. And, um, but now that it's, it's interesting because now I have a very friendly relationship with it and I would much rather prefer to use my vape or flower or an edible than to have wine. Um, half the time when I try to have wine now, I throw it all up. If I have an edible, I want to eat snacks and I keep the food down. So there's a big, significant life-changing event that's happened for me. And now the relationship is very positive instead of how the first time around it was. <laughs> and that's why education and people talking about cannabis is so important because that first experience, they need to know to go low and go slow. And because usually when somebody has a bad first experience like that, then they have a bad taste in their mouth about cannabis. And what they need is if, 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 THC, high THC makes them anxious. They need to stick to something with low THC with maybe some CBD in it as well. You know, that would be a whole other experience for them. They also told me stay away from um, pining. They said Mm. that the terpene pining will cause that anxiousness. Um, And the other thing that people should be made aware of, and you're right, education is key. Low and slow is absolutely key. But the other thing, um, and I have experienced this, every now and then if I have too much, it'll drop my blood pressure and I get kind of fainty, but I know that that's a side effect and I'm aware of it. And so I know how to react to that when that happens, but the education component is so critical, so critical. And what, uh, we usually also ask everybody this, cause we, ha- when we started the podcast, we slowly kind of started telling our parents about what exactly was our, <laughs> what our podcast was about what is your relationship since you work in the industry with cannabis what do your parents think or how how you know has this your changed family. your relationship with your family you that is such a great question let me tell you um my everybody was shocked because i was this church going choir singing cheerleading girl uh healthcare was my game for 20 years And when I decided to do my master's and go back, they were shocked by that. But then on top of it, they were blown away by me going into cannabis. 
Um, my stepdad and I, my stepdad who just passed away on Father's Day, I went over, my mom made some steaks and we had salad and potatoes and he handed me a joint and we sat there and smoked a joint. And my mom said to me, that's going to get you so high. And I'm like, no, it's not because I smoke every day. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, give me some of that then. And so we literally, my mother, my stepdad and I were all sitting around having joints and he had rolled them kind of really thin and tight. And I said, you know, they're a lot smaller. They're not huge. So it's not going to oh, mess you up as finished. quick. <laughs> they love it. I still have some family members, like some uncles who I would recommend this for my aunt who has Parkinson's and they're very kind of anti plant based. Um, but they're not anti what I'm doing. I have a lot of support for my family. I've got a lot of cousins who are like, Oh my gosh, you go girl. That is the coolest thing. And I've gotten a lot of love and support from my family. So they were all very shocked, but they were like, if Brooke, if anybody can do it, Brooke can go and do it. So it was actually like this win-win situation. Yeah, it's opened awesome. up your relationship just a little more, you know? Now you guys have sat together. <laughs> oh, we did. We got my, I got my mom so high last week. <laughs> you know she's having a hard time with her. she lost her partner of 33 years and she yeah. goes give me one of that she took the biggest hit she was laughing we were like having her have such a good experience and it's positivity healing. it was healing and and the laughter I think is healing and mm -hmm. just to sit there and be a little high together and then like tell some stories and laugh like who doesn't want to do that that's the best uh and your mom helps you now in yeah. your business right she's part of your Yes, yeah, she's worked with me since I opened the um, expo. She's been there from day one. She does not travel with me. So I have another longtime uh, family friend connoisseur of cannabis. Her name is Amber. She's an esthetician by trade, but she comes with me and I pay her to come and attend and help all my attendees and vendors. But mom is with me every day at the office. She was also in our ganja garden goddess calendar and she was Miss January. <laughs> and people are blown away because she's 70 and she does not look. She's got long black hair. And we surprised my stepdad with giving him those calendars for Christmas. And he was like, oh, my gosh, look at mom. He was so blown away. So it's been really great to pull the family in and then to hear her tell people what I'm doing. Like, I'll eavesdrop when she's having phone calls. Oh, yeah, like, I'm doing this for Bricky. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear. So it's. <laughs> It's healing to work with her too. I never thought I'd be working with my mom. So it's been a lot of fun. We're, this is our third year working together. That's awesome. Yeah. Different, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not, I, I feel like it's always like, right? Like, like your relationship with your parents has comes in stages. It's like different stages. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know? And it's always interesting to see it develop. We always talk about like how we had to kind of like, warm up to it and how surprising it was and the conversations we were having and it's interesting because my my mom is older and she's very conservative hispanic and so like my my sister's pretty conservative too but she's a little bit you know more hip however ever since i've told them about the podcast since like the world has been also changing and being a little bit more mm. open and talking about cannabis it's interesting to hear them like bring it up mm -hmm. like I mm -hmm. had a family member uh, that they went to visit was growing because in the country they went to go visit uh -huh. them 
he was growing it. And when they came back, they were like, oh, we told him about your podcast. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, okay. You know, That's so it's awesome. like, it's interesting to see how That's funny. Your, your relationships develop once, you know, you start talking about these. Once you come out of the green closet, the cannabis closet, and you're starting to be more open and honest about your love for this wonderful plant that helps so many people. And it shouldn't be restricted. It should be mm-hmm. accessible for everyone. Like here in the state of Florida, you can only get it if you're a patient and you can only get it if you have certain qualifying illnesses for it. But mm-hmm. it's like, really, it, it's not just for chronic illnesses. It's really for everyday healthcare, like just for everyday use, you know, whether it's stress relief, we're all stress as hell. Stress is what causes most of our illnesses. Mm-hmm. Stress is what kills us. Yeah. And inflammation. Weed's the answer. Right. <laughs> I would rather that I, I mean, honestly, I would prefer as my oldest, he's 12 and he gets old enough to drink. I would prefer that he use cannabis instead. And for me, I really like sativas. Indicas make me real tired, which is fine, but I'll I'll only use them to sleep. The sativas the creative factor that comes with the sativa with me, the stuff that I create when I'm had my THC sativa, people are like, when did you come up with that? I was like, I was high. I was totally high. And it was great. And they're like, it's freaking brilliant. I'm like, I know you're welcome. (laughs) And I, you know, I would prefer that more people, in my opinion, I think that we would have less addiction issues. I think that people would be more of sound body and mind when it comes to cannabis, psilocybin, more natural homeopathic based treatments for their elements, their stress, their chronic diseases, you know, alcohol really just eats up your insides. And I, it's so odd to me that we've normalized mom culture and mom's drinking all day, but heaven forbid a mom wants to go into dispensary and buy a joint and be a little high later and be chilled out with her kids. I can definitely tell that it not only affects me physically with my health, it affects me mentally and it makes me a more calmer human. It's like, oh great, things got spilled on the floor. Okay, I'll go get that. Instead of like, oh my God, I'm stressed out. I'm running around and oh, I got this other project and oh, I gotta clean that. It makes me just, it actually calms me. And I'm, I'm a very extreme type A, go, 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 go person. So I think it also provides some balance in my life. Definitely helps with patience and not being reactive when something happens. I my mom could have used some weed while, <laughs> while I was growing oh up, being a single mom time. of, of yeah. three kids. So uh <laughs> you touched on psilocybin and I do want to ask you a little bit more later about, you know, your what you think about, you know, th- that industry and how that's coming to, to light now more. But before that, you mentioned how many kids do you have and how do you talk to your kids about cannabis consumption? This is something we ask all moms that are on our show. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very important question to ask uh, because we have to break the stigma. So the first thing is my oldest, I have two boys, 12 and three. They're both from my same ex. There's a long gap for a long reason because (laughs) it was traumatizing having child one and you think, you know, all these things and you really don't, and you're thrown into motherhood and there's all these ups and downs that come with it. My oldest, you know, when I started in the business, he kept saying, Oh, my mom has a weed business. And he was kind of like, you know, preteen puberty going through kind of situation. And I've told him, you sound uneducated when you talk like that. It's called cannabis. We don't say marijuana. We don't say pot. 
we say mommy has a cannabis business. And I've told him there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. It's completely legal in my state. And he will find out when he gets older, just how amazing this plant could be. I think that he struggles a lot with his own self. And I think that this could be something that could help him with anger management, frustration. My three-year-old doesn't really know other than mommy's got her own business or job, you know, so he doesn't quite understand. And it'll be a conversation for him later on down the road. But um, definitely have had some talks with my oldest. He knows that he's not able to touch. Hey, hey, he knows he's not able to engage in any of that until he's older but I want him I will get you here have some of mine I know I would prefer that he asked me all the questions and I'd be able to educate him on whatever questions he has I know okay go get it on the counter and I'll get you one so I would like him to ask me all the questions so that I could educate him as well and that was the three-year-old in the background (laughs) I got one of those yeah that's like i'm all vape session (laughs) yeah man it's tough i had a i have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and my nephew's in town with his stepkid and she's seven and they were like oh are you gonna are you ready for her are you and then they brought her over and i was like y'all have never taken care of my three-year-old because the seven-year-old's great like go take my three-year-old then tell me (laughs) Who do I got to worry about? That's funny. You know what? My three-year-old's the mellow one. It's my 12-year-old that's more work for me. And I've told him, I'm like, you are more work for me and you are 12. Hence the gap. And he's my calm one. Hence the gap. (laughs) Yes. Hence the big gap. He, he, you know, he just came out. They come out so different. You know, you said you have two. Yeah, they're totally different. Yeah. The first They're nine day. The first, I see. I had this. I had the second one pretty quick because the first one was like a cakewalk. It was like, oh, that's cool. And then it was like, no, bitch, here you go. <laughs> That's, you know, I almost didn't have a second. And we, um, I, like I said, I was very traumatized. He was a, he had colic for nine months. He was a tough baby. It mom, momhood is rough. Like people, they don't tell you how rough it is. Cause they yeah. want you to go through it. They're right. like, oh, what she, the fuck? She, I, hate I know. That. I'm like, could you just tell me like what I was going to experience, please? Yeah, and they could, don't do that. Right. Well, how did I know that all this past trauma was going to creep up on me and affect me uh, when I'm taking care of my kids? Like, could somebody have given me the goddamn like heads up on that one? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So we, you know, we had Grant. Grant was like six and my ex kept pushing. I want to have another one. I want to have another one. I was like, oh, my God. If I get two of what I got the first time, Jesus and I are going to have some words one day. I'd be like, listen here. Listen here, Linda. Linda. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I got very lucky. But also we tried for two years. And then found out I was pregnant right when I got accepted to grad school. And I was like, of course, of course. It couldn't be like at the end of grad school or, you know, any of that. Um, and we were hospitalized four different times because I'm diabetic. And I was so big. I was 199 pounds. I'm 5'2". I was massive. And he was 10 pounds when he was born. He wasn't moving. Uh, so that's why they hospitalized us several different times. Um but he's cool. He's like mellow. He's my little chill baby. And, um, but yeah, they're so different as you know, it's stressful. Mommy needs, mommy doesn't need a cocktail. Mommy needs Uh, cannabis. True. Agreed. Amen. (laughs) 
So when one of one of uh one of the ladies goes to the cannabis expo, what are we like? What are we taking away from it? What do we expect to to get out of attending the expo? The takeaway and the emails that I receive from people after they've been at their event, they they after they've come to my show, they feel inspired. They feel that they've made meaningful connections. They kind of feel they know what direction they want to move their business plan or move their business that they're already currently in. They are able to communicate with other women and find out what's working, what isn't working. And they're also able to make and have lifelong friendships from other individuals in this industry that maybe they didn't know before. Um, Break that mom, the negative stigma of mom culture and wine and mom and cannabis. And so they um, come, all, all of them come with open mind concepts and they all leave super impressed. And then they also get to experience our cocktail mixer where we give out awards That's from our awesome. on our online individuals who have gotten them uh, from nomination to winners as well as panel awards. So best speaking, best booth, they get these plaques and we, we have a DJ and we have cocktails and we get everybody all spicied up. Um, I made the mistake of playing. I thought the song was called big, big energy. And apparently it's big dick energy yeah. <laughs> dancing out on stage. And everyone was like, Oh, we love her. She's funny. It's so- a, it's a good song. <laughs> it is a good song. They get some comedy. They get, I see they get a little comedy. They get some education and uh, and they get to meet me in person. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, it is a great time. <laughs> and that was our interview with Brooke Morgan Westlake. You can find her on Instagram at Women Expos, Twitter at Women in Cannabis. Can, can I buy, buy one? one? She's uh, does she have a website? Women in Cannabis or Legally Blonde and Blunt.com. NeonNightApparel.com. So there you have it. Follow her and uh hope maybe maybe we'll see you at one of the expos someday soon. That would yeah, be, be nice. Great. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoy it. We enjoy making it for you. Uh special thank you to our patrons. Without you, we can't get fancy with the bullshit. So thanks so much to contributing to our podcast. We want to give a big, big shout out to our special patrons, Yanni, Destiny, Lauren, Jesse, Christine, Denise, Peaches, Natalie, Angelina, Jenny, Catherine, Jay, Chrissy, Guillermo, Diane, and, and Gabby. Gabby. <laughs> Become a patron for early access to episodes, additional content, video, phone call versions of our interviews, Zoom smoke sessions, exclusive mom trips, and events. And if you can't become a patron, even though it is the coolest thing that you could do, because we have a great time, uh, you could always just, you know, help us out by subscribing, rating and reviewing our content on all of our social medias. Yeah. And especially on whatever platform you listen to our podcast, please be sure to rate and review. Thank you. And uh, go check out our website, potsmokingmoms.com. We have updated. It's got a fresh new look. Nice, fresh, new look. Tell us what you think. Check out the partners we work with. We put all of our links and affiliate links with discount codes. Check it out. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you next time. Bye. See ya. Play us out, Jay.